Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Nick, and I am now seeking a formal sponsorship with Vic's Vapor Rub because, wow, um, it's amazing. Uh, Brent, and I get paid to walk around the zoo all day. And I'm Kyle, and I have no responsibilities for the next couple of days besides packing. Excellent. This is, if I may, episode six. Let's go. Kyle, uh, you are, are back. What's going on? Yeah, back in the greatest country in the world, America. Um, USA. 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 Yes. Um, yeah, I'm back. Uh, had and the, that's why everybody hates us. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm surprised. There was actually fairly minimal hate for USA, and there's a surprising amount of graffiti in Rome that has to do with Trump. Like, it's everywhere. Like, there was a, we found a random piece of graffiti that was like, Trump, uh, Putin, and then the Italian president, like, all in, like, soccer uniforms kneeling together. Uh, there was, like, this famous statue that apparently everybody puts their, like, government com- comics or, like, government jokes on. And uh, there's a bunch, there's some stuff about Trump on that. Like, surprising amount of USA Trump stuff in Italy, especially in Rome. Anyhow. But yeah, back, uh, got in last night to Chicago around 6, 6.30-ish, drove to uh, my wife's parents' house to grab her vehicle, because we left it there, and then had to drive the three and a half, four hours home, so we didn't get back until like 11.30, which felt like 8 a.m. to us, so, or 7 a.m., something like that, so that, that was rough. The drive home was not fun. She drove it, she champed it out. And then I, I may try to stay awake as well to uh, talk to her and keep us both awake. But that was that was a struggle. If, if I may, if if I may, the, the value of, of a good co-pilot who actually stays awake with you uh, cannot be cannot be overstated. Having that person awake with you and or, you know, jamming out on the radio. Uh, I've been on uh, way too many car rides where I or, or someone else is driving and the uh, co-pilots are uh, slacking on their duties and, and sleeping. Oh, for sure. So, but, yeah, we have a co-pilot you. that can talk to yeah. you. Like that definitely helps a lot. I know, like for me. Yeah, my favorite. Yeah, go ahead, Brent. Oh no, my favorite is you. It's after one o'clock. Which, if it's after one a.m., like you have to stay up to be with your driver. And they're like, "Oh no, whatever." Could you drive? And can you stay? Like, I really want you to do it. And then they fall asleep as co-pilot immediately. And it's like, <laughs> well, you want to die? Like that's the worst uh, co-pilot. Yeah, for me when I'm driving, like. I, my limit's about three hours before I start losing it. Like, and I need something to entertain my brain. Most of the time I'll listen to a podcast or like an audiobook or something. And that's pretty good, especially if it's something, you know, like a good book or whatever. It keeps me entertained. I don't know. Do you guys have any secrets for staying awake? I know my, yeah, I would say my main one's definitely podcast or audiobooks. Because I can't just listen if I may, to music. If I, may, if I may, is that podcast, if I may, the greatest podcast that's currently out right now. Oh, of course. That, but I mean, that's yeah. only like an hour. So I, I got, got, got it more <laughs> or the audiobooks They're like 20 hours plus or whatever. Yeah, that's fair. My, what, my standard operating procedure. Yeah. My, my standard oper- operating procedure when driving is just to leave it on scan. And, uh, the rule I have, no matter how many people in the vehicle are, is that anyone can hit the scan button to stop it. And you can have one, one song. And after that, um, if everyone likes it, it stays on the radio station. If anyone wants to move it along, they hit scan and the, it starts over essentially. So um, that kind of keeps the, the flow of everything going around with the 
um, you know, the ra- local radio and you get a, a, certainly a mix of, you know, rock country, um, pop, everything that's out there. So the, the mix up kind of helps me. Um, although on more than one, one occasion I've been on a really long stretch where I know the radio has been on scan for an hour and a half and I haven't even listened to it once. So maybe that's me being crazy. That's me zoning out, but I'm used to long road trips. I once took my sister to uh, lower Michigan for a uh, cousin's I forget if it was a graduation party or a wedding. It was a number of years ago. But driving from Wisconsin to lower Michigan, I think it was a six-plus-hour drive, maybe closer to eight hours. Um, I think she slept for seven of those eight hours, and I just ah. drove the whole way. So um, I'm kind of a tank when it comes to driving. It doesn't really bother me. I, I just go. So Yeah, luckily whatever. for me, when we're moving to Colorado, my dad is going to be assisting in driving, and he's a tank. You can go like 10, 12 hours straight, perfectly fine. So, yeah, that's awesome. I, my, my mom drives for a living I, as well. So, that, yeah. Go, go oh, my okay my record is four hours. I went four Your hours. Your record's four? Without a, without a bathroom break. <laughs> I, it was four literally straight through, no bathroom break. I mean, I was hauling. Remind um, me to was never go on a road trip with you. But usually it's every couple hours you take a little break or the restroom, move the legs around and, and that, you know, I can go forever after that. I'm four not, hours not is a pretty good stretch where like if you can go four hours and then eat lunch or something where you're not driving for like an hour, you know, just a distraction, like another four hours. I mean, depending on the vehicle after four hours, you're probably going to need gas anyway. So true. Yeah. I think my standard is about three hours. We like three hours on switch with whoever you're driving with three hours, three hours. That's pretty standard for a, for at least a front car trip. Hi, uh, Nick. I see that uh, you said you want a sponsorship for Vicks Vapor, Vapor Rub. Uh, please explain. Yeah, I uh, unfortunately have been a little under the weather for the last uh, two days. I've been out of work, and I'm probably going to take tomorrow off as well just to recover from uh, the summer cold. With all my uh, crazy life events going on, the uh, the stress got to me, I'm pretty sure, and just destroyed my immune system between uh you know the house the uh, potential job prospects and everything going on with that which uh kind of leads me into my topic for today which is uh uh expectation of the root of all heartache and that's kind of more of a a life life lesson um a lot of different things have gone on and, and there's a lot of applications for this life lesson but uh you know given given any event or any any big something that's occurring in your life what a lot of people will do is they'll they'll fantasize about it. They'll think, oh, it's going to be perfect. The grass is always greener. When I get this new promotion, it's going to be fantastic. When I, if we get this house, it's it's amazing. If 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 only if only this this one thing, and then I'll, everything will be perfect. Or you know, Christmas is coming, and I'm going to get all the right presents for the kids. And I'm going to do all this. I'm going to it's it's going to be so perfect. The decorations, the food. You're setting your expectations so high for for whatever it may be. And ultimately, when you have your expectations set that high, reality is almost always going to be a disappointment. Now, I'm not a huge proponent of sitting back and saying, oh, yeah, just set the bar super low. So it'll always, you know, exceed expectations. But in a way, it, it, it does it does work like there have been events or certain things going on that I, I know I'm, I'm going to have fun at. I know are going to be really exciting. Uh, we went with a group of friends to go to uh, Valley Fair, which is the uh, amusement park and a uh, water park combination in, in Minnesota here. And, um, you know, Megan was talking to me about it and I'm sitting here saying like, oh, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Um, you know, it'll be it'll be cool. But, you know, just having a really 
dull tone about the whole thing. But then, if I, on the if I may, day, if I may, it sounds it sounds like you're just kind of I don't know. It's such a negative way of of going about thing, and I think having that negativity probably could scare people away a little bit. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like you have these expectations and anticipation. That's that's half the fun in it is as having that excitement and that build up. And if it doesn't live up to what it doesn't live up to, like that's fine. But I I feel like it's better to go into something where, yes, uh, this is going to be really great and it's still pretty great and you can make it great with your attitude more than, uh, uh, you know, this is going to be, it's going to be okay. Uh, if I may, I think there is like a balance here. Cause if you go with something like a movie, for example, if you're like Justice League is going to be the best movie ever, like I've waited my whole life to see a Justice League movie and you're super excited and you go into a movie and you see the movie, there's going to be disappointment where it's like, for me, like, <laughs> Suicide <laughs> Squad, I had no idea what that was going to be about. I was thinking I went that same complete, movie. Completely blind, I went to Suicide Squad and I thought it was a good movie. There are some people that didn't really like it that much, but I thought overall pretty good movie like for going into a completely blind no expectation so i think there's definitely a balance there and i think with with life events you definitely have to have enthusiasm about it because if you're not excited about something then why are you doing it especially if it's like a major life decision like so 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 with that with that with this like suicide and stuff um one of the things i've found myself doing recently and for a while actually is i'll i'll wait i won't see something right away and i'll read reviews i'll look at how many stars they got and rotten tomatoes or whatever the scoring system is and i'll say oh uh suicide squad isn't getting all the reviews that you know people say and they, they don't really like it i I probably won't like it and here it is it sounds like it's actually a pretty decent movie like it's something i'm missing out on because i'm not letting myself get excited in expectations i think the same is like avengers infinity war i i was really excited to go see that and i've heard it's kind of just like a filler movie, not really worth seeing. And I haven't even seen it yet. And it's, it's like I'm missing out, I think, because I let myself like not get hyped about stuff and instead just think, you know, wait and see and say, oh, you know, maybe it isn't as good as I think it is. It's probably not worth the five, ten bucks it is to go to a movie theater. Uh, for Infinity yeah, I think- War, I would, Infinity War is definitely worth the watch. Make sure you watch uh, Thor Ragnarok before you watch it because it definitely leads straight into it but it, it's a good Once. movie I, I would watch it I, I i have watched it and <laughs> it was good i think it's a i think it's a fair balance between both of what you guys are saying uh certainly and, and i'm a bit of a, a a unique individual in a lot of ways to say the least but uh the way i balance it out at least in in my mind is i go in with with fairly low expectations or a really chill attitude towards whatever it may be and, and i find personally that i almost always walk away with a better attitude after the fact. And I, I'm a firm believer in kind of living in the moment. Like, yeah, I can be super excited for going to this amusement park. Or yeah, I can be super excited for going to this movie. But if it's not everything I want it to be, then it kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth. You know, it's just like, oh, uh, well, it wasn't as warm as we would have liked. And we went in the water park and it was too cold for us to go on all the rides. Or uh, we went to the movie and the story was terrible, Suicide Squad. And despite having like some of the greatest characters possible in in the history of storytelling, the Joker, um, you know, they somehow managed to fumble and just blow this up into a horrible, 
horrible movie uh, against Suicide Squad. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, as, as Kyle's like, I love the Suicide Squad. I, I, the story, say, I don't love it. I thought it was pretty good, though. Having the storytelling, I thought was was absolutely horrible. You have the uh, the cart the the Mexican cartel leader El Diablo guy, who goes from you know being this dude who's you know accepting his horrible past, but he's never going to use his powers to you poke him with a stick essentially, and then he'll you know go blow up the bad guys, and then not like twenty spoiler minutes later alert. or. or one or two nights, yeah, sorry, spoiler alert. One or two nights later, he's declaring this is his second family and he'll die for them. Like, okay. that's that's just bad bad writing. I mean, I, the worst you can part, have that okay, part, I, hold, on, that, hold on, if I may, oh, if so I small. may. The, the worst part of Suicide Squad was definitely when they're like walking down the alley and the one guy's like dro- slowly dropping back between everybody. He's like, we're going to take him out. We're going to run. You ready? You with me? Okay. And he drops back the next guy. Hey, we're going to run. You with me? Like that was that was the most painful part to watch for me for sure. And well, don't even get me started on Batman v Superman. They advertised that one guy who shoots up his little climber gadget thing. They advertised that one scene with him so much, and the fact that he wasn't even a part of the movie because he just dies in the first like two minutes oh, um, really? was oh. just stupid. Ah, dang. Okay, we gotta move on from Super. I mean, I mean the thing the thing is though with like any of those DC, Marvel's done such a great job and DC is continually flubbing. I remember being super excited about Green Lantern. Horrible movie. Just I couldn't even watch I got halfway through, I'm like, I can't even watch this. It's so bad. I still need to see Deadpool too. And I know they advertise the one certain with the guy who's Thanos and then yeah, the the scene where Deadpool's fighting him and he's like, Oh, that's so dark. Are you sure you're not from the DC universe? Which is hilarious because yeah, in like Suicide Squad, like the the leader lady of the Suicide Squad is uh you know, like kills her own people and does this other crazy stuff. So it's it's funny to watch the the jabs back and forth and yeah. DC is getting its rear end kicked by Marvel. And I'm not a huge Marvel fan. It's just they, they have better storytelling. Marvel has the formula. Like, they got the formula yeah. down. I mean, how, how do you screw up the Joker? Somehow the guys controlling DC did it. So, whatever. Well, like, or it, Superman or Batman. Right? Well, like, I, those, that's it. Like, ben Affleck. Superman's I think ben, ben Affleck can totally pull off Batman. Like, I'll give him that. But... And then the guy who's playing, I forgot his name, but the guy who's playing Superman can pull off Superman. It's just the writing is just awful to like. I could not agree more. The writing is horrific. Uh, and there's there's examples of good writing, like uh, Wonder Woman. That's a good movie. There's good writing yeah. there. Well, and they have a formula, don't they, that the movie has to be two hours or under. And so you have horribly underdeveloped characters and plot. Yeah. And well, and then you have movies like much. Superman and, yeah, like Superman and Batman, where I heard they... Where you're just cramming everything into that one movie. Yeah, it's especially like it's five more movie. scenes of Focus. you seeing Batman's parents die. Like how many mo- how many Batman movies do you have to see with Batman's parents dying? It's like Jesus. Marvel. They, they had the perfect, Marvel does that too, though. They had the perfect plot sitting right there too, with the whole uh, Robin being killed. That whole storyline has never been told on the screen, only in comics. Like that's really what drives Batman in the comics anyway to start killing. Is his his Robin getting killed? So it's like you have the perfect yeah. storyline right there, and you go with the damn parents again. Anyhow, okay. well, the thing that gets me too is Spider Man. I, I think there's something with Sony or whoever owns Spider Man that they have to keep busting out all these Spider Man movies. But how many Spider Man reboots do we need? So like they had the one with Tobey Maguire, and they had 
the the Andrew Garfield, and I was like, oh, I like Andrew Garfield. Like, let's just keep with that. That's fine. And now there's somebody new. I don't even know who it is. It's too much. The, the too only, much. in my mind, the only like truly bad Spider-Man movie was Spider-Man Three. Oh, the, the most Spider-Man, Sandman. Like that was anything only, with like, Tobey Maguire was questionable. Well, like so the original. <laughs> the Spider-Man, first one was good. Yeah, that, that one set the that set the standard for uh, superhero movies in my mind. That one, and then followed by Iron Man. Iron Man was like the takeoff, but I think that Tobey Maguire original Spider-Man was definitely like the, the groundwork for all superhero movies coming after it. I just I just don't like him as an actor. I, I, anything he puts out, I think is I, I just don't like him. I don't know what it is. I, it's maybe not fair, but I, I don't like his work. The saving grace of that is Appleton native Willem Dafoe, phenomenal actor, Green Goblin. Save the movie oh, yeah, he's 100 good. times over. God, he's so great. He's also what uh, Boondock Saints. He's also the, the detective in Boondock Saints. Yeah, he's a little crazy in that one. Actually, and he really doesn't like Appleton, despite being from Appleton. Everything I've heard says he has very negative thoughts towards Appleton, but he's from there, so we got that going for us. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Not bad. Not bad. Brent, oh. you, you walk around a zoo? Yeah, so Zoo Camp is started up and Zoo Camp beginning, that sounds so weird. Zoo Camp. Well, it's actually like Zooper Camp. And I, I went in, which is Wait, kind of what? Hold on, say name. that again. Zooper Camp. So it's like, like Super Zoo. <laughs> I don't I don't know. It's I didn't make Sorry, the name continue. up, but I wish I would have because it's great. Um and, and it's something that I went into the week. Uh this is my first week as working at this camp, and I was kind of nervous. I was like we have 90 so acres to explore, which isn't that much. And we have a zoo, which could be fun. But are these kids going to actually like being at the zoo and seeing animals all day? And can I really stretch out one trip to the zoo over a span of a week? And I mean, it's four days in and I can say, yeah, it really is possible. The thing I learned is that kids really like looking at animals like they like animals. Who knew? Who knew? I like think the it, best it part of the zoo when I was a kid, we had in Oshkosh they had like the new zoo or whatever, and they had those key card things. I don't know if you remember, do you remember those, Brent? I don't know if you had the you were. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I got that. There was these key card, these plastic key cards you had to buy, and then you could go around and you could put them in the machines, and if you put them in the machine, it would then talk about the animal that you're next to or whatever. I thought it was like, I oh, thought that, that was the coolest idea. thing. Besides the giant playground on the outside of the zoo, that was obviously the best thing ever. Yeah, no, I think the thing that shocks me just is how quick the day goes. I thought, you know, if I'm with these kids for eight hours, it's going to kind of drag. It might go a little long. You know, I'm going to have to think of ways to entertain these these children. And so far, it's been like, where did the time go? Um, you finish up and it's just like, we saw this and this, and we still have a couple more things we didn't even get to today. So uh, that's been kind of a really fun surprise. And, and it also amazes me how quickly you can get to know kind of a group of people like it's been a span of a week and i've only spent four days with with my group of 14 15 kids or whatever and so like i really like these like i'm getting to know each of them on a little bit of an individual basis and it's like it's only been four days and yet all these you know it's it's amazing how quickly you can get to know people so how long do you have for total like a week only one week or two weeks or so only one week. Um, sometimes the uh, campers come back for a second week, uh, but generally it's you have them for a week and then you get a whole new batch the next week. I mean, group of, no, no. Yeah. 
So are, are there um, like different age groups each week or are you dealing with the same age group of kids? And then what is that age group? So age group right now, I'm working with nine to 10 year olds. And as the summer progresses, they're going to get younger and younger by like an increment of a year. So by the time we're done with the summer in August, I'm going to be working with five and six year olds, which is going to be a lot different than working with five to six. It's amazing how much somebody develops in, you know, from five year olds to 10 year olds. It's like they're completely different, like type of people. It's, it's crazy. Do you still Just have seeing the range five or six year olds for a week? I will. I'll have them for a few weeks at the end of the summer. So I get to explore having the older kids and the really young kids, um, which will make it, I mean, at least interesting. Every week's going to be a little bit different, which will be nice and refreshing. But at the same time, it's going to be interesting seeing how, you know, the older kids is like, oh, we can go all the way across the zoo because you have big legs. You can handle it. You can walk as far as we need you to in a decent amount of time. With the young kids, it's like, well, these guys are like, half your size you know i'm gonna take twice as many steps i remember we went to a like a nature preserve or something at some point in time we were in elementary school and one of the i thought it was the coolest things we made the the binoculars out of toilet paper rolls like the the cardboard tubes then we went bird watching that was super fun i've definitely seen that at the zoo already this week with some of the younger groups really yeah it's a thing i guess it's still a thing it's nice uh one thing that kind of surprises me i'm um, going from different center to zoo to you know working at all these different places is how much there's overlap in curriculum and there's not there's always you see like a few new ideas every once in a while but it's a lot of the same stuff has been rehashed over and over and over again since our parents were children kind of thing it's it's interesting and i wonder you know what's the next innovation or is there even a need for innovation in at least the environmental education field because like we went through training and they're like oh this is a, a game and we call it this i'm like oh interesting like that's the game i've learned but it's called this but it's like the same exact game um uh, i thought that was instead of interesting that even minnows, though we're halfway across instead of sharks and minnows we're gonna play uh tigers and antelope but it's the exact same game, just different name. And it's amazing that even in Seattle compared to back in Wisconsin, it's like we're doing the exact same stuff, just different places, different locations. The good old tried and true. Nick, what was your favorite zoo experience as a kiddo? For whatever reason, I really don't remember a lot of the animals. I can remember monkeys. But whatever those uh, those machines were that they had at the zoo, where you would put in like a penny and uh, two quarters or something, and then the machine would turn your penny into essentially a, a token of some variety for the zoo. Does any do either of you remember those? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Those. My mom collects those. They're still around. For whatever reason, that was always my biggest memory of of the zoo. Um, you know, everything was cool as far as the the giraffes and the lions and and all the all the animals but um for whatever reason that machine always caught my mind and was super weird um i'm a bit of an expert at the uh, como zoo because that's where we take most people here in minneapolis because it's the free zoo um and brent has been there i think kyle you've been there too now um i've taken both of you guys there and um brent you have may you may have been there multiple times at this point oh, I've been now, there but three times i think 
<laughs> but it's it's I, I still enjoy going every time. It's 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 nice. It's uh, in the winter. It's cool to check out the conservatory and uh, all year round. All the animals are, are there. It's it's a lot of fun to go check them out. And um, I have a regular kind of route that we go along and kind of catch all the the big exhibits. And they're doing some construction right now and in the area of the uh what would be a sea lions or whatever the uh, uh, yeah, those critters are so yeah. they're they're doing some some construction there and some additions which should turn out really well um but it's I always for being it's a always free a zoo, that's a really nice facility famous yeah. in the minneapolis area definitely check that out that, like that was definitely super worth it for free well, they, oh, they ask for a donation, but it's not required. So uh, if, if you got a few bucks, you know, two, three dollars is all they ask, um, which is uh, yeah, basically nothing. And yeah, if you don't have the money, hey, still go check it out. It's it's open. No, go go for it. Plus, they got a shop yeah, and yeah. you can buy stuff and support them that way as well. Nick, when you bring up a big uh, good point, and that's something that is always amazes me is that, you know, we go and we're spending all week at the zoo and um, we're seeing all these phenomenal things like for example like a, a flamingo it's like wow oh my, oh my gosh you never see anything that's like a flamingo anywhere if, if i may uh, of all the phenomenal things you pick the flamingo well everyone says <laughs> lion zebra and all those other Lions, tigers, stuff. And bears. But, but it's like here, here you go you see like a grizzly bear which is a, a phenomenal like crazy awesome to watch animal and it's just something that you'll never really get a chance to see unless you are in a very specific place. Um, and as a, as a kid, it's like, what is your favorite part about the week? And it's not like, what did I see? It's like, oh, we played this like very basic like tag game. And that was the best part. And it's just like, what? Oh, I didn't yeah, but I was a lion. So that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I, right? guess. I didn't want to mention. I lived on my lion fantasy. As a, the engineering side, Nick was talking about the going the coin squishing machines. The, the the new thing now is actually plastic injection molding machines in the zoos. And like, I was going to say that's what they those have now. Those are awesome. So as engineering side, like the molds themselves, not that great, but like the repeatability is ridiculous. And like the 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 fact that it's in a kiosk. For those that don't know or haven't seen them yet, they'll literally do like small miniatures of different either animals or like I know uh, in Chicago, the Wills tower, the Sears tower has like a mini Sears tower. You can do like the, the building. Um, there's a, there's a bunch of them in, they're, they're cropping up all over the place, but it's like the coolest I, thing. Cause it's like you, you put in like two three bucks or whatever. And then they press you. They actually like live in front of you, make an injection molding of something. And then you get it. It's like, oh, that's if I may, cool. the the irony is not lost on me that uh, throughout the Como Zoo uh, this last week when we went, um, they had a, a bunch of sculptures put together from waste that's taken off of the beaches and out of the ocean. So you have old flip flops, you've got plastic bottles, you, so you've got all these you know discarded items that were then used to make a sculpture and they had uh you know several whale tails you know like a, a whale would be going into the ocean and the tail would come up they had like some some beach scenes where you'd have the sand made of sandals uh the sky made of you know some blue plastics and some you know clouds and some yellow for the sun but they made sculptures out of out of the waste that they picked up off the beach um 
you know, if I'm if I'm guessing, although those molds are really cool, uh, I would guess that the large majority of them end up being trash or, or thrown away, unfortunately. Um, but it was cool that they, you know, tried to raise awareness and make the sculptures. However, um, and I forget the brand, so I'm kicking myself, but on one of the whale tails, um, there was a, a plastic part that was like for a car, like a Nissan or something. I, I don't remember what it was, but it was a prominently displayed brand um, that was on like the tip of the whale tail and then very visible. And I'm like, the company probably wouldn't be very happy that their brand is being shown as wasteful plastic pieces that are, you know, thrown away or discarded and now put in a sculpture. But um, it was kind of a cool awareness campaign. That's the thing that you're seeing with zoos nowadays more so than ever. And it's a movement that I really like appreciate. And I think it's cool. Um, zoos at least the big public ones are all trying to move into uh you're not just coming here to look at animals i mean you are but a lot of what we're trying to do is pass along a message of conservation whether it's recycling or yeah just like protecting the environment it's not so much you know like we don't just have these animals for your entertainment we're here because we want them to help save their species or we're also going to be working on different projects to help conserve their habitat it's 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 a cool movement um and every zoo that i've been to that's like i've hated and there's a few out there um but there are all those private zoos where it's like a little family-owned zoo where they're in a little like cement cage and it just it doesn't look like the animals are really comfortable and it's just like all they're there is for profit and you can tell it's for that and um the fact that if you go to these good like bigger better zoos like the como zoo our Minnesota Zoo, honestly, is a really good one too, and they're passing along these messages like having the the garbage sculptures. It's like that's really cool that they're actually out there, not only entertaining and teaching people about the animals themselves, but trying to pass along a message of let's be better citizens of the world and the environment. I kind of like one it's thing I wanted moment. to touch on, and I know it's technically like two years late, but have you guys seen the uh, documentary Blackfish? on SeaWorld? I haven't watched the whole thing, but I I do know about it. So for those who might not know, it's basically a documentary, excuse me, talking about the uh, killer whales that are being shown in uh, SeaWorld and uh, primarily like how that, how they're captured and brought in and how they're like a full, like they are families and there's a lot of good information and whatnot. And definitely the capturing of the whales for the specific purpose of, you know, showing them off to audiences to do tricks is definitely not, you know, right. Uh, but they definitely sh- paint the whole Sea World, I think, in a little bit bad of a light in the sense that I know uh, they, they do the best they can to make sure that they get an emotional reaction out of the audience watching it. I know uh, I did a little bit of research after watching that because I'm like, oh, this is like really, really interesting. It's And it's definitely worth a, a documentary that's worth watching. But doing a little bit of research, uh, there's some people that used to work at SeaWorld that have spoken out about the documentary uh, saying, like, yes, the whole dolphin thing isn't ideal. However, there's a lot of good coming out of SeaWorld. For example, like a lot of the show proceeds go directly to helping animals that were hit by propellers or caught in sea nets or, you know, need rehabilitation like the uh, sea lions or uh, penguins or whatever. Probably not penguins. It's probably pretty hot in Florida for penguins, but uh, penguins. there's a lot of the money that goes from that, that goes to helping them. And there's a couple of scenes in the documentary that were directly 
taken out of context to try to move the audience. For example, there's one scene where a guy is like smiling with like a bloody nose and it's implied that the, that the killer whale did that to him. And in reality, one of the guys that was actually working in SeaWorld was saying that he had apparently walked into a post on accident and he got a bloody nose and he was laughing about the <laughs> fact that he got a bloody nose. But they just took that whole clip out of context and showed it to the audience to imply that the killer whale had done that to the guy. So it's, it's, I don't know. It's it's a little. And he was maniacally laughing. Yeah, if if I may, that's that's one thing. It, all, all the documentaries out there, I, I would be hard pressed to find one that's truly not biased in any way, shape, or form. Uh, the hot one that's been on Netflix lately is uh, what uh, Making a Murder or whatever it was, uh, yeah, which is that's was, a couple seasons. Um, it, it, all, all of those documentaries and the worst. The worst one, um, in my mind, at least my experience, was was my sister. She had way too much time on her hands for a while, and she would watch all of these documentaries on on Netflix or, or wherever she was watching them. And um, you know, she doesn't think through everything the best, and would basically watch a documentary and then claim to be an absolute expert on the whole subject, and, and was so self righteous in everything she said based on these documentaries. And I could always pick apart her argument or her statements with just a few questions and it was just a matter of like oh yes well global warming is wrong it's like okay well what are you going to do to fix it oh we're going to you know get rid of gas cars and get rid of this and get rid of that i'm like okay well that that all sounds reasonable so what's the alternative for this yeah just and and there was there was always something and you could always see which way the documentary she had watched had been slanted and she felt like that was you know the way of the world it needs to change now and there's 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 not a documentary out there that's not trying to sell you something that's not trying to create action one way or the other um yeah i think the the best example i can think of that is um this past year i was subbing in fiad and health classes and they always love to show documentaries when you're a sub because you can just sit there and the kids generally just sit on their phone and don't do anything Supposedly supposed to watch it, but they never do. But I saw one documentary that was probably put out by the sugar industry that was like, fat is horrible. Fat is the reason why we have the obesity epidemic. Uh, It's all fast fault, like sugar foods, whatever. They don't do much. They're just simple carbohydrates. But fat is bad. Yeah, I saw another documentary that said, oh, no. Fat is fine. Sugar is a problem. This is all conspiracy by the sugar industry. It's all sugar. And I think that's probably put out by like meat producers or whatever. But it's just like, here we go. Um, you know, what is the actual cause of all this health issue? And, and it, most likely it's somewhere in between. But if you just watch that one documentary, you'd be convinced that it's one fall. You know, it's, it's one side or the other kind of thing. Yeah, and that was that was the whole point. I don't even want, I don't want to get into religion stuff too much, but I know for religion, the whole fish on Fridays thing was started because they literally needed a, uh, they were trying to like drive, uh, people towards the fish market or something like that at the time. So they just, the pulp or whoever at the time just made a rule like, Oh, Fridays, we can't eat meat. We must eat fish. I forgot if they were trying to save meat to go to a war of some sort or the fish market just needed support. But it's, it's like the fish on Fridays wasn't started for like a religious reason per se. Like some Pope had, or, you know, some higher up in the, in the Christian religion had a benefit of pushing people towards eating fish on Fridays instead of meat. Well, and if I may, isn't that also what happened with Christmas where it was a pagan holiday and the church wanted to, you know, 
be more accepted by the people. So it made uh, their holiday about uh, Jesus's birth. Wasn't that the whole the whole yeah, push? And if, and if you think about I, it, like the whole story of Jesus being born, like it's more likely that Jesus was born on in September. Because you think about it, December is in the winter. It makes no sense for them to oh, there's no inns. You must stay in a in a cold uh, barn instead of somewhere warm and we see that you're pregnant like it makes no sense and then also the whole right. like shepherds out well on the if field i may though if i may if i may you're in wisconsin where winters are really cold closer to the middle east i haven't been there so i wouldn't know the climate but it might not get as cold um in december but i, I mean that's just whole that's a whole another topic um but you are right that these things are are influenced and and if you really think about a lot of reasons why certain stuff happen, it's it's pretty easy to get into kind of like a conspiracy thinking. Um, and some of it's right, some of it's not. But you know, probing, probing question putting out there for YouTube because I, the only source I know of this quote was Call of Duty, and I think it was Modern Warfare Two. And I I'm sure there has to be a better source of it. But history's history is written by the victor. It, it, do you guys know what the original? source of that quote was because it was it was used in that in that video game which had a, a really good story to it but whoever whoever wins gets to gets to write the history and tell you how it was i mean you can look at world war ii if if the u.s and the the allies had had lost to the the nazis and everyone else what would the histories say um they'd obviously be very different and right now we have um, you know, everyone loves to throw up and compare, you know, bad political decisions in their minds to, oh, they're just like the Nazis. This is, you know, Nazi behavior. This and then there's video games saying Nazi zombies and all these other things, and it's it's almost funny. It's it's comical. It's 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 you know, there's all these stories written about what the Nazis were doing and how they're all evil and they're all bad and they had world domination plans. You know, if 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 it hadn't worked out the way that it had, and Germany had succeeded what what does the history look like and i mean that's that's one war that's all you know modern enough for us to potentially understand go back to the biblical times roman times and i'm, and I, I'm my history is spotty here but then I'll, I'll get off the topic of religion because I, I i don't want to pursue that too much but wasn't there a point in time where the romans essentially decided what books to include in the Bible and what not to include in the Bible. I mean, what was, what was excluded and why, um, you know, Rome was the most powerful area. They had the influence, they had the control, they could make those decisions. Um, history is written by, by the victor. Um, so with, with that understanding, there's always going to be a, a way every story is leaning. Uh, there's always going to be someone trying to sell you something. This is righteous. This is not righteous. You know, these people were doing these for the wrong reasons. Well, you know, I think there, I, I know there are a few stories out there regarding what was going on in Germany before World War II and how bad things were and, and how, how much, um, you know, some of the policies that were put in place helped help the people and it may have been good from their perspective um now in the grand scheme we can all look back and say okay it was wrong but man how you tell that story is is so key so oh, yeah and i guarantee that the the nazis and and those that follow the nazi party did not see themselves as bad guys like i think they probably were convinced that they were doing the right thing that would be the best for the world so um you know if you look at it from their perspective like 
what we, you know, the allies were doing, we were the bad people. You know, it's it's really got to put yourself in kind of both people's shoes, like shoes, and say, wow, like, you know, if there was a why clear good guy, bad something? guy, there wouldn't be two sides to a war. True, sure. true. Sure. To Brent's okay. point, uh, slightly backtracking to Brent's point, uh, Dr- Dr- uh, Bethlehem uh, is on 32 longitude, and which is about the equivalent of Savannah, Georgia. So Brent does have a point there. And uh, I mean, but I mean, it could be September just based off the star alignment. It's it's really anyway. hard to say I wasn't there. Um, yeah. And the quote is that Nick was talking about, even though that'd be sweet if um, modern wa- warfare. Or- Call of Duty came up with it. Um, I, I believe it's attributed to Winston Churchill that the or- actual origins are unknown. Um, but kind of shifting gears um, to something a little bit lighter. Um, I have, you know, when, I, when I'm home, I, I guess I'm generally not. I try to be clean. I've definitely, since we moved, have, have gotten cleaner because nicer place should look nicer. Please define um, clean. But what? Well, as in, like, you can see the floor and the dishes are generally put away and the laundry's done. Oh, so, like, house that tidiness kind of, kind of thing. Basic basic chores, yeah, like sanitary stuff. Um, but one thing I think that I always... It's kind of bugged me and something I, I've been doing for quite a while now, actually, is I always use coasters. And I actually, honestly, I've been thinking about it. I don't even know what coasters do. Like, I think they protect whatever you put the, the glass on, but... I don't really know from what or why, but just something that's like, I have to, like, if I have one. something that I'm drinking, I have to put on a coaster. Doesn't matter what, doesn't matter why or where. It's just like drinks go on coasters. So uh, it's, I don't it's know. only to protect the wood. If, if you're setting your drink on glass, um, there, there's really no need to have a coaster. Um, now, you may have to clean the glass, but it's easy to clean the glass. Whereas if the watermark uh, seeps into the wood or the water's left on the wood, uh, it can stain the wood. Yeah, so oh, Brent, the, the when you when you have a drink, especially a cold drink, you get condensation forming on the outside. So that happens because the dew point of the air becomes cold enough to condense on the surface of the glass. And so when that builds up, it then drips down. Ooh, so that's science, bitch. Science. So that's where you get <laughs> the, the rings. So yeah, on, on glass, doesn't really matter. The only benefit of using a coaster on glass is you don't have those rings to clean off at any point. Uh, on wood, it's a little bit more important because uh, then, yeah, like Nick said, you don't want to ruin the stain of your wood because if that seeps in, it's gonna, uh, it can mess up with your wood finish. If I may, I don't know if we have a swearing policy yet on if I may. Uh, if we need to cut that out, uh, I, I apologize. I, no. it, minimal. Well, it's probably fine. It's a minimal so, swearing for clean, so we're good. So one one thing that made me think because I have this this quirk about course or coasters that's kind of hard to say is is there any like things that you guys like it must be this specific way around your house megan always leaves the lazy susan open in the corner it drives me bananas what's a lazy susan it's the uh the cabinet in the corner that kind of spins it goes in a circle and oh, has, no. has oh, the like two, it's not... two shelves okay so it has the shelves and then the, the one surface of it matches up with the rest of the cupboards I got you. Right, right. And she leaves it open so that all the pots and pans are exposed, and it drives me absolutely bananas. Yeah, I would have a little bit of OCD about that as well. So Nick needs his Lazy Susan's, like, closed. That's good to know. It's just like leaving any other cabinet open. Like, 
you, you don't just leave all the cabinets in the kitchen open. There are doors on them so that they can remain closed. It's just that she leaves that one open. I don't know why. <laughs> How about you, Kyle? How about you? Uh, that's kind of going pet peeve route. I'm trying to think if there's, I know one thing is like the, way, the order you put on your shoes, you always do it the same. And that's just creatures of habit kind of thing. It's like, I think I always tie my left shoe first and then my right shoe. Um, as far as like something, I, I guess to your thing, it's something you do that you don't know why you do it that way. Um, oh, I've been trying to mess with, oh, it's brushing my teeth. Like I typically always start brushing my teeth in like the bottom left and I've been trying to like consciously like switch it up and like start a different spot. So that way I'm not brushing like the same spot more than other spots. Oh, dentists know. They definitely know what hand you are based off of what side's cleaner. Oh, I'm sure. Because, like, for the longest time, like, I always started brushing in the bottom left. So, like, now I've been trying to, like, swap it up and, like, start in other places to try to, like, confuse the germs in my mouth or something. But just, like, even it out. <laughs> Guerrilla warfare right? on the germs. I managed, I managed to impress my dentist by informing her that I can actually floss without my hands um, using those uh, picks those little floss pick things. Um, they've got like the one pointy end to kind of poke and prod, but then they've got a little tiny piece of floss, you know, held up that you can run between your teeth. I'll oh, play with those in my in. mouth individually. Yeah. And you kind of just bite it in. I can floss the majority of my teeth without ever using my hands. And my dent, my new dentist lost her mind. Like as I was describing it, it was hilarious. Can you tie a, a knot with a cherry as well? Or I can. Is it- I actually cannot. I've never tried, but I don't think I could. I learned I could do that at my wedding. I don't even like cherries, That's but it. like one of my one of my buddies that uh, was there, he's like, "You gotta, you gotta try." He was like drinking a drink and had the cherry, and he like tied the the stem, and I was like, "Nice." I was like, "I gotta try that," but I don't really like cherries. He's like, "Well, you just gotta eat the cherry." So I did it, and I was able to do it first try, and he was very impressed. Which is impressive because I'm pretty sure your backyard had a cherry tree. It does. Growing it does. up. It yes, it's still, it still has a cherry like tree with lots of cherries. So one thing Where? I want... Okay, moving on to one of my topics is that FIFA. So the World Cup's going on right now. Germany's out. Um, I think that's exciting for most because they were the uh, best last time. So it's kind of nice to make sure that... Some other country is going to win it this time. But uh, FIFA is actually a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. So, like, number one, this is the first. uh, My wife played soccer through college. And so she's, like, super into soccer or football. And uh, when we were on our cruise, because it's in Europe, everybody and their brother wanted to watch the games, the World Cup. So they they literally had the big screen over the pool playing the... uh, the games, and they also had like a sports, uh, like lounge bar in the cruise ship that was always playing the games as well, as well as you had it on your TV in your room if you wanted. And like we watched a good portion of them, and it was actually a lot more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. I always thought soccer was fairly boring, but it's one of those things where like if you actually have like a slight stake in one of the teams, you're like, oh, like I hope this one's going to win. It's it's a lot more entertaining. Or if you have like Juliana was kind of explaining the stuff that's happening and that made it more interesting as well. Cause you're like, Oh, like the reason you did this is because of this. And like, this is a good strategy. And now I've been playing FIFA on the uh, Nintendo switch 
and I feel like like I'm actually getting into FIFA on the Switch. And in my career, I'm really good, and my team is nine to zero, and I'm basically a wow. beast. I, I'm playing on amateur as well, so not even beginner. I I have a beginner FIFA league where I've been playing for the last three years. I'm FIFA 15, and uh, I think the save file corrupted, so it's like I had two and a half seasons in, and it's all gone. It's life, I'll never get back. Um, but you know, soccer, soccer for that in in a way is sort of like baseball to me where if i i'll watch on occasion but it's not something i'll really look out but if i actually really have a team that i'm supporting and i actually watch it kind of closely and, and think about it there's a lot of nuances to the game that is actually like wow that's really cool um but again it's a lot of it's really game specific some games you'll watch it's a a one nothing 90 minute slug like it's just kind of dull because you go back and forth and nothing happens um and others you know some really spectacular stuff happens um one thing i like to do for a second i'm sorry but if i may baseball i cannot watch on tv i would i love going to games like going to the games is great because you have more of like a social thing it's you know america's favorite pastime like going to the games is awesome because it's more of a social aspect watching on tv i cannot stand there's there's like zero I don't know. To me, there's nothing there for me. I can't do it. That's what soccer would be to me too, though. If I was at a soccer game, I would be like really into it because you have the crowd, you have a lot, like some really diehard fans, and you go to a baseball game, you have the whole atmosphere. I mean, that's that's what makes the sport. I think watching on TV, you lose a lot of that. Like I watching soccer on TV is like oh, they're going back and forth a bunch. Like yeah. true. I enjoy playing it. I love playing soccer. It's such a fun sport. Um, but you know, it's one of those where actually like watching it, like the one, the one sport I think that really is surprisingly good across the board that no one ever thinks about is hockey. Like watching hockey, hockey is almost awesome. any time is just, it's so fast paced. It's, it's awesome to watch. There's a lot of action, a lot of physicality. You can tell like these, these people that are playing are truly athletes and, that, yeah, that like, is the other thing with soccer. Is. The damn, like, he poked my elbow and now my foot is broken. Like, oh my God. It's 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 ridiculous. And I'm not saying soccer players aren't athletes because soccer players definitely are. Running 90 minutes, like, back and forth, like, that's a lot. Especially if you're a midfielder. You're, you're covering four or five miles maybe in a game all the while switching from incredibly fast to jogging to bat like it's it's a lot and and baseball they're athletes too i mean if you're someone's throwing something at you 90 miles plus an hour to be able to hit that out of the air and hit it to a spot even is just you know it's it, they're athletes but it's one of those that doesn't necessarily translate well to the screen like some yeah, of I was going to root for uh, Italy in the World Cup, but I realized Mario and Luigi weren't on the team. Uh, I've always been a big uh, fan of uh, Nintendo soccer and Nintendo tennis and Nintendo sports. Um, Brent, you and I used to play uh, the tennis. No, there was the Striker Cup. Uh, striker we played Striker. We played Striker a lot. We played that a was, lot of Striker. That was awesome. Um, the Robo Team or whatever was always... Uh, super OP because you could do the uh, power shot. It had a smaller bar than when you used like a, a hero or whatever, or like a Yoshi or Mario or one of the standard, you know, awesome players. 
um, but the rest would be like Toads or whatever it was. But I, I loved playing those games, the Mario games uh, of old. And I saw a review for the most recent uh, Mario game, and I'm not sure if it was Tennis or something else, but Mario it tennis didn't aces. get. Yeah, it didn't get real great reviews as far as the uh, the ability to set up games the way you want them. But so I have the game. I, I, haven't, the main, I haven't seen it yet. I have the game. The main thing people are complaining about is that it apparently apparently they're already like working on a patch for this already. But the, but people are complaining that you couldn't really set up an online match just as like standard tennis rules where it's like three sets to a match and then like three games to a set or whatever. Like you couldn't set it up like standard tennis rules. You only could go the the one like shortcutted tennis version. So that, that's what people really weren't liking. And apparently they're already kind of working on a patch to, to fix that and, you know, make sure that you can follow basic, you know, standard tennis rules while playing. But I've played the first couple, like, adventure modes, and I played, uh, like, a couple of practice matches, and I, I, I've liked it so far. I've only put, like, I don't know, two and a half, three hours into it. But so far, so good. I, I'm enjoying it. My my favorite part about Strikers um, is that you could – I don't know if there were penalties at all, and you could just the wall around the entire stadium was an electric fence, so you could just everybody. You put you play as Toad, you have this giant head, and you just are crushing people into this electric fence, and they get shocked and um, scream at some point. And maybe it was a little sadistic, I guess, looking back. But you know, there was an award for that, wasn't there? Yeah, we would wrap up some games of over ninety in like maybe five minutes, like 90 tackles because it was just continually spamming the tackle button. Oh, yeah, you just slam everybody. I think it was it was whenever you look up like the most... Uh, slide um, tackles? No, not slide tackles. Like the most violent E-rated games, that's always on the list. It's got to be, especially with like Peach and Daisy. Oh, man. That, yeah, they, they let some screams go like they were dying. <laughs> it was... It was satisfying, but I remember being ahead when your parents were playing with us at one point, Brent. And I think our whole strategy was in order to make sure we stayed ahead, we just picked a person and we each said, "Just keep tackling them so they can't <laughs> score on us." Over, over. So they have one person they could dribble across the field, but everyone else was like down. So every time they tried passing, nope, nobody there. Oh, that was that was that was some of the most fun video gaming I probably ever done. Honestly, it's such a it's such a simple game. Easy mechanics, but it's just very entertaining. I love those games in general. They're like easy to learn, hard to master. That's like the perfect game. Right I think there. for Nintendo to succeed, they have to continue with that kind of a pattern. Oh yeah, you gotta appeal to the family because anyone could play any of those Mario athletic games. Um, the tennis ones are a lot of fun too. Um, just getting them right in between the the doubles partner, very satisfying as well. Uh, Nick, you want to lead us off with our closing segment? segment? Yes, absolutely. Uh, wrapping up for today, uh, we were discussing various options, and uh, one that was a bit intriguing uh, was the, the last meal. Uh, if you were on death row, what would your last meal consist of? Brent, would you lead us off, please? All right, so I was thinking about this, and you know, this is always one of those kind of like, what's your favorite meal? I always thought that if I was going to end it, I'd want to end on... The meal I like the most, which would be uh, my mother's side of the family, all comes from Germany. And I guess going back in history, back in time, my ancestors would every Saturday or Sunday 
get a bunch of potatoes uh, and some flour and turn them into these potato dumplings. Put some like pork and pork gravy on it. And it's just, oh, I just love it. It's, it's something that uh, I grew up in grandma would always make for us and just every time it's just such a so good i don't know i really enjoy them so i think that's probably what i'd go with even though there's a ton of good options but that'd be a hilarious i go for the sentimental i want my great grandma's dumplings sorry we can't get that well then sorry you can't kill me you can't kill me (laughs) not yet yet. yeah i would go i would go one of two routes either a my like all-time favorite meal which would probably be uh some, a nice uh, grilled cheese sandwich or two with some tomato soup. And then, uh, so that that would be my all-time favorite meal. Next to that, though, I could... Uh, so basic. Yeah, it's right. So oh, that's like my favorite, though. Grilled cheese, tomato soup, and you must cut in the diagonal across the grilled cheese. No sideways cutting diagonal. Yes. And yes. a nice big glass of cold milk. That's where it's at. But uh, okay. the, the other thing you could do is go, like, pain in the ass. Like, I want a gyro from Greece... I want a pizza from Italy. I want. I think the G is gyro. Gyro. What? They. I want a. I want some tea from England. <laughs> just like, just screw over the person that's uh, uh, having to prep you this meal, or at least, or pick out a bunch of things from around the world that you've never tried before. Yeah, yeah that wouldn't be a bad option. Right? Just to kind of try a bunch of crazy stuff. Might as well. Like, oh, shit, I think man, that's disgusting. <laughs> now I know. I, I think for for my last meal, I, I'd go a couple courses. Uh, touch on some some of my favorites. Um, my favorite appetizer at the moment is calamari uh, with a, with a good dipping sauce. Um, so there's some deep fried calamari that would that would go really well. Uh, Ginger Roots and Appleton has some some really good calamari that I like. Um, as far as the main meal. Um, I've always been a fan of pulled pork. I'm slowly mastering the the recipe. Uh, my latest uh, addition to the pulled pork recipe that I've been working with is to mix in a little cheddar cheese. Um, now this is on leftovers basis. I haven't tried it with the fresh stuff yet, but reheating the, the pulled pork in a small bowl, uh, mixing in uh, you know a fair portion of some cheddar cheese so it kind of melts in there nicely. Uh, and I've been putting that on some toasted bread that I then butter and then have the pulled pork in the middle. Throw in that with some of my grandma's potato salad, uh, which is um, it's one of those, as you were mentioning, Brent, one of those grandma's specials. Uh, but a few people in my family know how to make it, so that's good. Um, so we have the pulled pork. We have the grandma's potato salad, maybe a little coleslaw. I think that would be my last addition if I were to put something on the pulled pork sandwich. Uh, or Yeah, we'll call it a sandwich because it's between two pieces of toasted bread. Um, and then for dessert, I gotta have some chocolate. I, I don't know what it is. Um, there's, there's a lot of good chocolate cakes and, or, uh, the great American cookies. Um, we do those for birthdays typically in my family. Oh, um, and I know Brent, your family's hopped on that train. Um, the great American cookie for dessert, uh, would be good. You know, a double doozy or a slice of, uh, of a bigger, bigger pie kind of thing. Um, that would be a, a more than filling, but, uh, probably, you know, top five meal for me with that uh unless there's any other notes that was episode six of if i may i hope you all enjoyed you can now find us anywhere you listen to podcasts likely stopping youtube kyle can you elaborate on the note for that uh note yeah, for yeah. Likely so stopping we YouTube? have been uploading all our episodes to youtube as well but 
honestly, we have pretty much zero viewers on uh, the uh, YouTube podcast scenario. So if you listen on YouTube for whatever reason, uh, just head over to any other place you can find podcasts and you'll find us there. Um, if for some reason in the future we decide to go video format where you can see us and whatnot, then we'll probably we'll pop be her back. back up. We'll pop we'll her back, back up on YouTube for you so you can. Let's say yeah, if we if we blow up, we can certainly throw them back out there. But it's, with it's that, not, at this point, it's just kind of extra effort for zero views it's or a pain. You know, zero listening. It's a thing. <laughs> it takes so much time. Each and every one of you listening means everything to us. So thank you. Everything. Everything. Thanks, mom. With that, we'll see you next time. <laughs>